Three, two, one. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. To, welcome to Get the Gurney podcast, where we have fun discussing all things animal, animal related, answer your veterinary medical questions, and overall give you an insight on the crazy, silly, and sometimes weird life as a veterinarian. We are your hosts. I am Dr. Erica Eigenbrod. And I am Dr. Melinda Kilty. And we are basically your virtual veterinarians for the next 20 to 30 minutes. Um, so awesome. This is our, our very first podcast that we're recording. Um, to be real Yay. honest, this is the third time we've recorded it. <laughs> we're getting real good at it now. <laughs> so um, so thank you listeners, uh, for tuning in. Um, this is something that we've decided to start in the not so spare time that we have. Um, just because we like discussing veterinary questions and veterinary things. And we would love to hear from you, uh, and what your veterinary questions are and any stories you have on your pets, um, or somebody else's pet or just any sort of question in general. Um, we'll go over our backgrounds and then get into some hot topics. Um, so I'll, I'll start. Um, I, like I said, I'm Dr. Erica Eigenbrod. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in central Illinois, um, born and raised. I went to the university of Illinois for both undergrad and vet school. I did not actually know that I wanted to be a veterinarian until... I was about 18. Um, actually, my very first year of college is when I decided uh, when I was at U of I. Um, I took an animal science 100 class and was able to stick my arm in a fistulated cow. Uh, for those of you who don't know or if anybody's interested to know what that is, uh, please leave a, email us, leave us a message, um, contact us anyway, and, and we will go over that. Um, and for whatever reason, I thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. And that's kind of when I was hooked. And my goal from then on was to become a veterinarian. And I did it. And I graduated 10 years ago. Um, I have a background in production animal, mixed practice, general practice, small animal emergency. And now uh, Dr. Kilty and I both work at Five Star Veterinary Center in Springfield, where we do referral, urgent care, convenient care all that. So, um, that's my background. Kilty, do you want to say your I, background? It's a way different than mine. Yes. <laughs> um, I am actually from the East coast, so I'm from Connecticut. Um, and my background is in marine biology and environmental chemistry. I went to vet school in St. Kitts in the Caribbean, um, at Ross University and ended up back in Illinois. Um, and I stayed. I have a background in small animal ER and now urgent care, and I love it. Um, we get to see the coolest cases and do the coolest things, and I think everybody should know about it. So here we are. And you you did your undergrad knowing that you wanted to go to vet school, correct? Yes, I have always wanted to go to vet school. I specifically wanted to go in for marine mammalogy um, and to do medicine with whales and dolphins and things like that. Um, and I did, I ended up actually doing all that, um, but I enjoy making a difference in pets' lives. So here I am. Yeah, awesome. 
Um, and for for those of you who do not know, I know Mindy's background a little bit better than all of you li- listening, but um, so she went to Ross University for veterinary school. Um, we call that the island schools. And so how she got to Illinois was she did rotations. So in vet school, you do rotations your fourth year, and she ended up doing rotations at Illinois. <laughs> yes. So, so that's how she ended a up in the, bit middle, of a skip there. in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we do really cool things every day. We'd love to tell all of you about them. Um, again, if you have any specific questions, please email us at getthegurney at gmail.com. Um, so we'll move on. There's been a couple things. Like I said, this is the third time we've recorded this podcast. Um, and we want it to be pretty informational, but also um, fun, give you some background and stories that we've seen or we've done, some success stories. Um, and so what we really wanted to do this podcast on or our first episode on was a question that we get asked all the time. Um, and so when we were thinking about starting this and I asked Mindy, like, what question should we tackle? Like, what question do you want to do? Um, there was really no hesitation, uh, in her response back. And so Mindy, what question did you want to tackle right out of the gate? what should we be feeding our pets? What is the diet of choice here? Yeah. So, um, which can be a very, very loaded question. There is not a simple answer to, to that, or at least I don't think there's a simple answer to that. Um, I don't wish if you walk down the pet food aisle, there's clearly not a a simple answer to that uh, because there's so many, many diets to choose from. Um, and it can be quite confusing for pet owners um, it can be challenging for us as veterinarians. Nutrition plays a really, really important role in any pet's health. Um, but it can be a little bit challenging for us to figure out the right combination of diet and what, what specific diet a pet should be on. Um, and I know Mindy, you've used diet quite a bit with your own dog, um, Leo, Do you want to tell us a little bit about Leo? Yes. So Leo came to us through animal control and he was completely hairless. He was very itchy, constantly, constantly scratching. Um, He had open sores everywhere um, and he was just a mess. They actually called him in for being a coyote um, and that's how much he didn't look like a German shepherd. So um, when he came in, we basically got a baseline, you know, got his blood work done. All of that did skin cytology. He was a mess. He had ear infections, skin infections. He had yeast everywhere. Um, and he needed a lot of help, definitely. Um, one of the things that I think helped the most was early on, we did start him on a hydrolyzed diet. Um, he came in with his sister who also was very uh, itchy and completely naked as well. Uh, both of them were quite the sight to see. Um, and I wondered if there was some sort of congenital uh, aspect to this. And the main one is usually diet. So I, I ended up putting him on a hydrolyzed diet um, during all of 
this, trying to get his skin under control. And uh, today he looks completely different. Uh, we did test the food trial and we tried to reintroduce uh, regular dog food, specifically lamb. Uh, it did not go well. It, he is 100% allergic to pretty much everything. So hydrolyze is where he's going to stay. Um, and I'm really glad we implemented that early on. Yeah. So, so uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with hydrolyze diet, um, specifically, there are veterinary prescription diets uh, and they're like medications. They're actually a prescription. Um, that's because they are formulated for a specific disease that a pet may have. In Leo's case, it was for the skin. And so uh, Royal Canin is the pet food brand um, that the hydrolyzed protein is with. And they formulate that protein to be non-reactive for the pet. So the pet is not reacting to it, therefore not being itchy, not losing hair, not um, having bacterial and yeast infections on the skin because of the allergies. Um, and we can certainly go into more information on that if anybody has any questions. Uh, and potentially even um, get get a nutritionist on board. We could do an itchy dog segment. Yeah, yeah, we could do a whole segment on itchy dogs um, and the different reasons why they're itchy. Um, but that's a really successful case uh, personally for Dr. Kilty and Five Star um, to have such an improvement with diet. Um, and diets can be used for lots of different things. Um, and... Like if a pet has kidney disease, there's special formulized kidney diets. If a pet has um, urinary issues. So um, that's one thing that I've used diet for within the last year. I had a little uh, white dog that actually came in for bladder stones. Um, owners weren't really wanting to do surgery. Um, so when a dog has bladder stones, it can cause some really nasty urinary tract infections. And until those stones are gone, the infections just keep recurring despite being on medications. Um, and you can get resistant infections and all that. Um, certain types of stones, not every type of stone, but certain types of stones can be dissolved with diet. It changes the pH in the urine and you can get those stones to dissolve. And, um, so I was able to do that with a little dog. We monitored her. Um, she came in, I think, every two to four weeks for x-rays, depending on how she was doing. Um, she did say on an antibiotic, she had blood work. She had all the monitoring. Um, and over time, we were able to get that stone dissolved. So that's another success story that we've had with diet. Um, those were both prescription diets. So those both were medications, basically, for those pets. Um, not every diet is or is treated as a prescription. Um, so for those of you that have pets that just want to feed the best quality, uh, there's a couple questions that I would have you ask yourself. Um, one of those is, um, what is your lifestyle like? Is your pet a small dog, large dog? And I definitely encourage you to discuss diet with your veterinarian and what they recommend. Where do you usually go with that? Yeah, I, I always think about activity levels, right? Yeah, so if yeah. I've got a dog who are out hunting, they're on acres and acres and acres, or those farm dogs who are just running, 
Um, they need a high protein amount and uh, lactating bitches, things like that. It's very, very individualized. And so it's definitely something that you need to take to your veterinarian and discuss with them. And it's different for different life stages as well. So as your puppy grows into an adult dog, grows into a senior, we're thinking about different aspects of their nutritional needs. Um, And most of our formulated diets are made to make uh, your dog healthier, right? So our renal diets make the kidneys work better. They're not, it's not uh, to deprive your dog of some sort of nutrient. It's to make them a lot more efficient and make their kidneys last longer. So there is a rhyme and a reason to all of this. Um, And thankfully, you don't have to think of the details, but you can definitely uh, talk to your vet about it and we'll go over it. Yeah. And that's one thing that I didn't even think about. Um, Like my dogs are on a high protein diet because they run like all the time on acreage. Uh, And overall, I don't get too hung up on brand. Um, I I am not the biggest fan of boutique diets. And we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, with an article that was put out. Um, Only because I want to make sure that the food is formulated to a certain standard. So they are meeting all the vitamin, mineral, um, and macro requirements. Um, but I do, one thing that I am a pretty big stickler on is large breed puppy food. That is one thing like brand. I don't really get super concerned about or anything like that. However, if you have a large breed puppy, so your labs, mastiffs, German shepherds, Dobermans, any large breed dogs, Danes. Yes. Uh, I do recommend especially formulated large breed puppy food. I do want it to say look for large breed puppies on the bag. Um, And that's really for bone and joint development. There's some pretty nasty uh, bone and joint issues that can happen if puppies are not growing appropriately. Uh, They used to actually see a lot more often way back in the day. I haven't really seen, I've maybe seen one or two cases um, in my career in the last 10 years. Um, But back in the day, I know they used to see it a lot more before those large breed puppy diets were available. So that is one thing that I'm a stickler on. I'm not a big stickler on brand, but I am a big stickler on puppies get puppy food. Adult dogs get adult food. Um, Again, there are caveats to all of those things. So please reach out to your veterinarian. Uh, But I, that's probably the biggest sticking point that I have. I don't know about you. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thankfully, uh, there is a organization who has taken all of the trouble for us. Um, AFCO is an organization who is a voluntary board of nutritionists who make sure what is on the bag is what is in the food and it is standardized um, and it actually meets nutritional needs. So um, I I am with you. I don't care about brand or anything like that. You can tell me, you know, what what brand it is, but I want to know whether or not it's AFCO certified. If it is AFCO certified, I know that, you know, they A, have their best interests in mind. Um, this is not a marketing scheme. This is a nutritional uh, product. And B, um, that you you are getting exactly what you what you have asked for and there's no um, harm to your animal. So we'll link AFCO, the AFCO website in our show notes. Um, But AFCO stands for the Association of American Feed Control Officials. Um, And there's, uh, it's aafco.org. 
Um, highly recommend anyone who's interested in learning more about uh, the foods for their pets, learning how to read labels. Um, there's so much information on that website, um, and it can it can give you a lot of insight on what pet food might be right for your pet. Um, so I know we, we didn't answer that question directly, uh, but afco.org is a really, really good website for you to go if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and then obviously your veterinarian. Um, the other thing that I will link or that we will link in the show notes is so right after we decided to, um, start a podcast and then I asked Dr. Kilty what her, what, like, what question are we going to tackle? Um, which was, what should I be feeding my pet? Um, which as you can tell, there's, there's no right answer. So it's a, it takes a lot of research, um, but the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine had um, just released an article that said, what's the right diet for your dog? Uh, and we'll link that article in the show notes so everybody can read that. But I, I thought it gave a really good kind of brief overview. They talk about AFCO in there. They talk about the possible risk of certain boutique diets. Um, and so certain diets, uh, grain-free has become really, really popular in the past couple years, which can actually lead to DCM or dilated cardiomyopathy. Um, there's still ongoing research with that. Um, but even before that, there are certain breeds that are more susceptible to dilated cardiomyopathy, which can make it even worse if they're put on a grain-free diet when they don't necessarily need to be. Um, and that this article kind of goes over that. It kind of goes over how to pick a diet. They talk about um, afco.org. Um, and so we'll link that article as well. It's a really good read. I thought it, uh, Dr. Pavlovsky did a good job um, and the university did a good job on that. Um, and so I was really excited that came out right after we decided to discuss such, how a, perfect. such a broad topic. Um, I know. So... Please, if anybody has any questions, again, email us at getthegurney at gmail.com. Um, yeah. We hope to have uh, all the social media up and running uh, over the next few weeks. Um, and we'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to answer your questions, interact with you. Um, one of the biggest things that we pride ourselves on, I guess, it would be education um, and making information available to pet owners about their pet. Uh, and so hopefully you learned something today and it sparked some interest and you have more questions for your veterinarian. Next time we're going to talk about uh, our older pets, our geriatric patients that yes. take a little extra time. So it's going to be a Another good one. topic coming up. So geriatric patients are next. So if you have um, a, what we would consider a geriatric patient or patient getting older, there's some new medications, new therapies on the horizon. And we'll probably discuss some so therapies exciting. that a lot of people don't think about with pets. So please stay tuned with that. We can't wait to talk with you again. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.